Welcome to the sermon podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from the Word of God, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life. There's a weight that must be lifted. There's a trophy to be won. Open up your Bible again to Mark 14 this morning. Want to bring a message that I hope by avoiding being like Judas will be an encouragement to you and be a help to you. I want to bring a message entitled Understanding the Betrayal of Jesus. You know, we don't often like to talk about Judas. I think if you're like me, sometimes even the thought of reading about Judas just makes you cringe. The fact that here is this one that was, at least from an earthly, worldly, visual perspective, as we read this, was the reason that Jesus went and died on the cross. Now, we know that that's not entirely true. He was the influence, the trigger to the betrayal, the arrest of Jesus, but we know it was our sin, and that Jesus came to this earth to die, but still when we read it, when we preach on it, it just, it's hard, and so I want to read this again to you, but before I do, I ask that you hold your Bible up and say along with me this morning, this is the word of God, I will read it. I will believe it, and I will obey it by the grace of God. I want to bring this message again, understanding the betrayal of Jesus. If you're like me and you're just looking, you're like, how could somebody, anybody, betray him like that? How could a follower of Jesus, a person who was with him for three plus years and saw all that he did, Betray him like that. Often, as I was saying just a moment again, a moment ago, I'll say again, you know, we don't like focusing in church, in our lives, in messages, as pastors, as Christians. We don't like to focus on sin. We don't like to focus on the idea of betrayal or denial or rejection or hate or evil. We want to be encouraging. We want to be, you know, exciting and optimistic and feel good when we leave church. And, and we want to just love and, and, and just focus on the good things, right? I mean, that's just the reality. If you're like me, you know, I, I, I've not heard many sermons on the betrayal of Jesus all by itself. Uh, we, we prefer to read and preach and hear messages and sermons on the Josephs and the Daniels of the Old Testament. We like to read about Joshua and his courage and Caleb and his bravery. We like to hear about Timothy, the young man who was used so great of God and, and, and followed Paul and learned from Paul. We like to hear about Stephen as he stood there against 
the opposition to the message of God's word, even as he was being stoned and said, forgive them just as Christ did on the cross. That's what we like to hear. We, like to, we enjoy stories about David and Goliath and victory over every odd, every obstacle. About Gideon and his army of 300 and no matter how small, no matter how few, God can take and give the victory and he does get greater victory by using the smaller and the fewer and the weaker. And we read about Elijah and his victory at Mount Carmel over the 400 prophets of Baal and over Jezebel and Ahab. And we pump our fists and say, yes, more of that. We like to hear of the feeding of the thousands by a few loaves and fish as Jesus divided the food. We like to hear about Peter walking on the water or Lazarus being raised from the dead. That's what we like to focus on. But I just want you to be aware and to be reminded there is much to be learned from the betrayal of Jesus by Judas. And there are lessons that we can apply to our lives today from what we read and learn about Judas. I want you, number one, this morning to understand something that I think you understand but I want to be sure you understand and be reminded of this is that there will always be this message, this story, these verses tell us there will always be opposition to Jesus and God's will. Always. On this earth until Christ puts an end to an all. From the moment of Genesis 3 until the end of Revelation there is opposition to Christ and God and what God is doing. And there will be. And in this world we live in today, there certainly is, and we often talk about how bad it is now, but it was no worse now than it was in perhaps the darkest day, the darkest moment when Judas betrayed Jesus. Now we can often look at many dark moments. We can look at, well, when Adam and Eve sinned, that certainly was a dark, dark moment at the beginning of sin in this world, and certainly it was. We can look at the crucifixion, and from a certain perspective, that was a dark, dark day, although really it was the brightest day when he paid the price for your and my sin. But certainly if we look and we say, man, what a horrendous time that was for Judas to go and betray Jesus for 30 pieces of of silver. But I want you to understand that there will always be an opposition to Jesus and always be a betray there will be betrayals of Jesus and the will of God always because there's always two sides at work in every situation. There's always two sides. I think Mark specifically under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit placed the story here of Jesus, it's almost a side note in verse 10 and 11. Between the Last Supper 
and between the pouring out of the ointment of Jesus. We see that there are people that are willing to live for God. And, and by the way, that's the encouraging thing. We may all, Sometimes we get our eyes get negative and we say, man, in a world of sin, in a world of hate, in a world of opposition to God and, and just evil, there will always be those who serve God and love God and worship God and want God's will to be done. And we certainly see that in Mary who poured out the ointment and Simon at whose house they were in. We, we, we certainly see that since creation there's been evil in forces, but there's also been forces of righteousness. Again, Mary and Simon, as we talked about last week, Simon the former leper, having been cleansed by Jesus and now giving his everything, his home, opening his life and everything for Jesus. And there was Mary who poured out a lifetime of savings on the feet of Jesus and on the head of Jesus as she worshipped him. And even the disciples who followed him and even the disciples who were there listening and, and not just the twelve, but there were others there in that upper room. And so there's always two sides to every situation, meaning righteous and evil. The work of God and the work of Satan. The, the work of the holy Godhead and his will and the plans of Satan and sin. Always. And really, ultimately, and you've heard me say this before, there's only two. We often try to make things gray and in the middle somewhere, but there's not. It's, it's either God's side and the side of light and truth and hope and love, or there's the side of destruction and evil and sin and despair and the devil. But also as we read this story, and especially this chapter, we also are reminded that not only is there always going to be evil or opposition to God's will. And before I even get there, let me just stop for one second. In our lives today, in our lives today, in what we are doing, there are those who are opposed right now to just your right even to come to church. There are those who are opposed to what the gospel message is. We know that when you are even waking up this morning, as you woke up, if we're honest, some of us, maybe many of us, maybe even all of us, had the thought in my, in my mind, because the devil put it there, it is going to be cold outside. It would be okay for you not to go this morning. You've got things you've got to do. There's, you know, there's things that have got to be done around this house. There's, there's th you've you got a little bit of headache or you've got a little bit of this or whatever the reason is. There's always going to be, even when you're trying to do right, Paul said, you know, I do things that I don't want to do and there's things that I do want to do that I don't want to do and that's not here in this passage. But I'm just saying there's always a battle and there's always opposition to what God is trying to do in your life. There is opposition to what Two sides, side of trying to of going to accomplish God's will, and there is a side of trying to oppose God's will, and that was we see in the denial or or in the betrayal and the rejection of Jesus by Judas. But today, just like it was two thousand years ago, it's not always obvious. Who's on which side? 
Sometimes it is. I mean, sometimes it's just clear. And we may look at Judas and say, well, it's clear that he was betraying Jesus. But if we read the story, we see that it was not so clear to them. And it oftentimes is not so clear to us. And so I think we need to learn that lesson. We would not have expected, or they did not expect, Judas. We know the story. We know what happened. We're reading it. But in that moment, they did not expect it was Judas. When Jesus says, one of you will betray me. Verse 20. One of the twelve. You know, we often read that. And we say, okay, it's one of you. But it was actually more specific than that because there probably were close to 40 people in that room. They're saying, hey, it's one of the twelve that's going to betray me. If you had said it's one of you, people that maybe were on the fringe, or maybe that 40th person to come in the room, people might have thought, well, it's that guy or that woman. But no, he said it's one of the twelve. And can you imagine the people that were aghast? That also works in reverse, meaning we don't always identify the agents of God or the agents of righteousness that are at work. Nobody, if we read our Bible, would have expected Rahab, the harlot, to be part of God's plan. Or Saul, that became Paul, to be an agent of, the, of, the, of Christ and the gospel and Perhaps the greatest Christian, if we want to title him that, in all the New Testament. Writing two-thirds of the New Testament. We would not have expected King Saul in the Old Testament to become an agent of evil and oppose what God was trying to do in the kingdom of Israel with David. And even with the enemies of God. If Ananias and Sapphira were here in our church laying down money on the altar from a land property they had sold, we might have said, man, that's just wonderful. We never would have guessed that they were lying and keeping back a portion of it, saying one thing and doing something else. We wouldn't have guessed It's not always obvious who the agents of righteousness in God are and who is working on behalf of the devil. And so as we look around, again, that's why we're so often reminded that God looks on the, man looks on the outside and God looks on the heart. That's why we're often reminded to be careful how you judge. That doesn't mean that we don't judge. The world often takes that verse and eschews that and makes it, well, you're not supposed to judge. No, it's be careful because God looks at things differently than we do. We often look at the outside and what's going on. Man, that person's giving money to the church. Or that person, man, they went on a missions trip. and It's not our job. Now, again, there's times that we say, okay, be careful in following that person's example because there's a pattern or there's a history or 
whatever, we see different actions, and we say, okay, that doesn't match up. But, for example, there's also Bible verses about the wheat and the tares. Remember that? And he said in, in the parable of the wheat and the tares that, that there was some weeds, the tares, that were sown amongst the wheat. But the farmers, they came to the master and they said, hey, um, there's some weeds growing up, but we can't tell. Do you want, what do you want us to do? And he says, just let it grow for right now because if, if, if not, you're going to accidentally tear up some of the wheat while you're trying to tear up the, 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 the weeds because they look so similar. But later, God will sort it out. We would not have named Judas. If we were there and we were Peter or we were John or we were James, we wouldn't have named Judas. And so therefore in life, understand there's always going to be opposition to what God is doing. And, and, and the key is don't let yourself be part of the opposition. We're going to get to that in a moment. But also understand it's not always obvious. And we can always throw in the cliche, if you will, if not for the grace of God, there go I. But there was Judas. And the disciples, they're like, is it me? And they're really upset. And of course, you ought to be upset at anybody trying to oppose or, or betray what God is doing. I think one of, the, of our problems in the church today is that we don't get upset when it's clear that someone is working against the will of God. That doesn't mean we shouldn't be loving towards anybody. I simply mean that we like, well, that's just the way it is. No, we ought to be heartbroken. Especially when it's coming from the inside. Or what we consider the inside. This inner circle. But Judas wouldn't have been one of the ones that we named. Judas was respected. Judas was admired for his brilliance, maybe for his accounting, maybe for whatever reason. We don't know exactly, but we do know this, that Judas was the, the, the banker. He was the treasurer. Now, we also know that he was still, but they didn't know that. We know that he was a thief and he was skimming off the top, but they didn't know that. He kept the bag. He kept the purse. So be careful. Because oftentimes we say, well, that would never be me. I would never. But they each wondered, could it be me? That just blows my mind that Peter and James and John, the inner three, they were part of the one saying, Lord, is it me? Lord, do I do something? They understood what we must as well is that the influence of the devil, if we're not careful, can move anybody, even the greatest Christian, to do things that are in opposition to God's will in rejecting, denying, betraying Jesus. He was part of the chosen. I think we need to see the third thing under, under that first point of understanding there will always be an opposition, and that is this, 
there will always be those that celebrate opposition to Jesus. Don't be shocked, even in the church world, don't be shocked, even in the family of God world, when there are those who celebrate God's will, be, or, or what the church is doing being stopped. Because, well, that's not what I wanted to do. We'll come back to that in a moment. But we see that the religious leaders, the chief priests, were happy that there was somebody willing to betray Jesus. Look, look at that verse with me, if you would, in verse 11. And when they, being the chief priests, heard it, they were glad. They were excited. There's always going to be, don't ever be shocked, there's always going to be people that revel in the fact of a godly person being taken down. There's always going to be those that want to point out a person who turns and they're going to be promoted. They were glad. They paid him money. And the world often looks at people and says, well, I'm glad that you finally opened up your eyes to the fact that it's all fairy tales. It's fake. It's, it's false. It's manipulation. And now because you've turned away from God and you've refused it, rejected it, and denied it, and there are people every day that leave the church to do just that. I, I've had conversations with people who grew up in church, made a profession of Christ for following the gospel and believing the gospel and for salvation. And now they are denying and rejecting and opposed to anything the church or Christianity or the gospel wants to do. Understand. And that, those people are often celebrated. I'm so proud of you. They were so proud and so happy for Judas. I want you to see the, the, the second major thing I want you to see is understand this is really, I think the first part you have a general grasp of. I want you to see the second part, and that is understand why do people oppose Jesus or betray Jesus or deny Jesus or go against the will of God. Why do people betray the Son of God? And by the way, and this can apply to people who reject the gospel and don't believe, as well as those in the church that are Christians even. And sometimes sin and go against what God is trying to do or fight against what God is trying to do. Remember, now again, Saul wasn't a Christian when he, when he was opposing the church and persecuting the church, but he thought... He was doing the will of God. The chief priests, at least on some level, thought they were defending the law of Moses and honoring God. Yes, there were certainly parts where it was they're afraid of losing power and afraid of losing control. But at some level, it still was we think that we are defending the gospel. When they called Jesus a, a hypocrite and, 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 and or, uh, talked about how he was going against God, and he was speaking things that were blasphemies, they thought they were defending the law and God. 
But I want you to see these ways or reasons why people do betray or reject. Number one, it's the promotion of self. The promotion of self keeps people or will cause people to deny, reject, refuse, betray. We, we see this because certainly money was part of the equation. Judas kept the bag, but he was stealing from the bag. So therefore, there's a love of money. And the Bible tells us you cannot love God and money. Or you cannot love God and the things of the world. And certainly there was some pull to that in the promotion of self. It was the love of money. And so therefore, we say, but it was only, again, when we read this, 30 pieces of silver wasn't really a whole lot compared to what he was doing. But the promotion of self is not just about money. It's about seeking the approval of others. And oh, in this world, yes, there are people that certainly money is king and money is above all else. And I just got to get a little bit more money. But even more than that, it's what money can buy, what money can do in power and prestige and influence. And therefore, I will look good if I have the things that money will buy. And so therefore, it's still about self-promotion and seeking the approval and the praise and the applause of others. And while we don't know all the reasons we can extract, if you will, yes, money was a part of it, but also it was the approval of those that were glad for him and glad with him and celebrating him. And there are those of us that live in the world today that Everything we do, in fact, the younger generation, now not that, listen, if you're over the age of 40, this doesn't mean that you don't want the approval and the applause and the acclaim of others, but in the world today with social media, it's so much about how many likes I can get or, or how many followers I can have or on, on YouTube or or. or Instagram or whatever your social media platform of choice is. That equals fame. That equals approval. That's promoting me. I'm becoming somebody. And instead of Christ being everything, which what it should have been for Judas was Christ was everything. He said, well, I want some of that for myself. The advancement of self. But not only is the promotion of self, there's also a perception that is flawed. And I think this really gets to the meat. Now, again, you say, preacher, you're speculating maybe a little bit, but if you understand where Judas was coming from. He was a Jew. He wanted desperately for the shackles of the Roman oppression to be cast off and for Israel to once again be free and be prominent as they had been in the past. And so therefore, certainly disciples following Jesus, again, not fully understanding the picture of what he was doing They wanted that and thought he was going to do that, some perhaps more so than others, but certainly we think of Simon the Zealot, one of the twelve, 
certainly came from a background of it's my sole purpose is to see Israel be free. And Judas certainly would have been a part of that. And so now he's been following Jesus because it seems like Jesus is going to raise up a rebellion and, and, and he's the promised one. And the prophecies say he's going to set up his kingdom and rule forever. And that's what we want. And then Jesus starts to talk about things that don't make any sense to him. I'm going to die. I'm going away. I didn't come to bring a sword, but I came to bring peace. And he starts to talk about the forgiveness of sin and being free from sin. Not free from the Romans, not free from the tyranny of even the religious leaders, but free from sin. And he says, wait just a minute. That's not what I want. I'm not sure I understand what you're talking about anyway, because again, he was a lost person, but... That's not what I'm after. And there's times that we will deny and, and, and betray and oppose Jesus because we want to promote ourselves. And there's times that our perception is just, that's not only am I not being promoted, but that's just not even what I want. Things don't go our way. Things go the opposite direction of our way. Things go completely upside down from what our way would have been. Now, we know as Christians that his ways are not our ways, but we lose sight of that. And how many people have fallen out of church because things didn't go their way? I'm following God. I love God. I'm doing great things for God. It's wonderful. People are looking at me. I'm getting noticed. That's great. But really, it's all about God. And then suddenly... The ministry goes south, or things get tough. And they say, you know what, I'm not in it for this. They're not getting the way that they wanted things to go. And Judas certainly was that way. Not, it wasn't going the way that he thought. His perception was flawed. He's saying, that's not my will. That's not my way. In fact, God, I wanted you to start a rebellion. Jesus, I wanted you to start a rebellion, and that's not what you're doing. And then we even get to the part about not only is it not my way, but it's not a good way because it's not the best way. And how many times do we you know, spend our time advising God on what is right and what is good and what would be the best thing for me? Ever do that? We start out whether it be looking for a career or looking for a job or where we're going to go to school or who we're going to marry or how we're going to raise our kids or, or even how we're going to retire. And God, this is what I want to do. And God, this would be best. And if I could live here and this kind of house and that kind of car and these kind of things, that would be great. And then it doesn't go that way. And with God, what are you doing? Just stop and think about that for a moment. You're advising the king of kings, the God of the universe, the creator of all that we see, and you are going to tell him what's best. But we do it. I do it. He didn't understand. That what Jesus was doing was far greater than what he wanted. 
He wanted Israel to be free for a period of time. Because if he understood history, and most Jews did, he would understand sooner or later this is going to happen again. They had been under oppression and under oppression and under oppression. They had had great rises and great falls throughout the history of Israel. So, but he wanted in his lifetime to experience what he thought God ought to do. But Jesus came to do something far greater. Not just set Israel free for a time, but to set all mankind free forever. And not just from the oppression of a people, but from the oppression of sin and Satan and hell. Oh, how much better was God's way. But we miss it because our perception is flawed, just like Judas. His perception was, I'm not rejecting God. That's the other thing was he's thinking, I'm not going against God. Judas, much like the religious leaders, much like Saul before he became Paul, thought, I am doing the work of God. And this guy, I thought he was part of that, but he's nuts. Because again, we think that our way is the right way. We think that we're honoring God, but really we're resisting God. And oh, be careful that you don't fall into the trap of Judas. And ultimately it was pride. Self-promotion. Increase my bank account. Increase the number of people that like me. Because my way was best. My way was better. My plan was good. And in our lives, it's so easy to fall into the trap of Judas because pride creeps in. And pride is the root of it all anyway because we know that it was pride that caused Satan to fall in the beginning. He said, I want to be like the Most High God. Sometime after he was created, the universe was created and man was created and the angel of light, the angel of music, the most beautiful of God's creations up to that point, suddenly was, in his mind, replaced by mankind. Genesis 1 and Genesis chapter 2, and then Genesis chapter 3, the devil comes in trying to destroy what God had done. It was pride. And he used pride to deceive Adam and Eve. And it was pride that he used to influence Judas, and it's pride that he will use to influence you and me. And in pride, there's a knock at the door, and we have an opportunity. And Jesus sends the door and knocks, but if we don't let Jesus in and follow him or follow his ways, then we're letting the devil in. Now we know that Judas, you say, why was Judas the one? Why did it have to be Judas? Well, here, here's the thing. It didn't have to be Judas. He knew it was going to be Judas because God knows everything. But Judas certainly entered in and influenced, if not even possessed, Judas at some point in time when he made the decision, I'm going to not go God's way. I'm going to betray that and deny that and reject that, and I'm going to go my own way. He thought, but it was the devil's way, and he was influenced by Satan. And when we open up the door through our 
promotion of self and, and through our perception that is flawed. We're opening up the door. Not, again, if you're a Christian, not for the devil to possess you, but certainly for the devil to manipulate and influence you. And we go down the same dark path that Judas says. And even for Christians, it's possible. We need to understand this last thing. And I want you to understand, number three, that the opposition of Jesus and the will of God will always end poorly. And it did certainly for Judas. Number one, it ended in regret. Turn, if you would, to Matthew. I'm going to have you turn to Matthew. It's not here in Mark. But if you go over to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. You'll see this, and I'm out of time, but very quickly, uh, in verse 3 through 5, it says this. This is, again, um, I'm sorry, not Matthew 7. That's, that's wrong. Matthew 27? I think I wrote that down wrong. Hoping I got that right. Yeah, Matthew 27. <clears throat> then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, What is that to us? See thou to that. And he cast down the pieces of the silver in the temple, and he departed. Now stop right there. There was regret, because as we know, sin will take you farther than you want to go. And rejecting, denying, opposing Jesus and God's will will take you farther than you want to go. He didn't intend for Jesus to be crucified. He intended for Jesus to change his ways and to see the light. To be stopped from what he was saying he was going to do. And say, well, wait just a minute. Or at least be thwarted in that attempt. But then when he saw they were going to kill him, he was sorry. Now that doesn't mean he repented of sin and we're going to see him in heaven. That's not what that's referring to at all. He was just sorry for how far it had gotten. And he regretted. I, th I think of the words of the centurion at the foot of the cross. Most likely the one that pierced Jesus' side. The one who very possibly had been part of the scourging of Jesus. And certainly was there nailing him to the cross. And said, surely this was the Son of God. There's regret when we oppose what God is doing. There is defeat. Because even when it looks like things are going to, okay, I'm opposing God, and now it looks like things are going my way, as certainly Judas must have thought, okay, he's being arrested, and, and he's being stopped from what he said he was going to do. It looked like it was going his way. The religious leaders thought things were going their way. The devil must have thought, yes, finally, it's going my way. When Jesus was crucified, Until that tomb rolled away and Jesus had risen from the dead, sealing the defeat of Satan. Oh, my friends, it ends in regret, it ends in defeat, it even ends in destruction. Judas went out and hung himself, rejecting God and Christ. And salvation certainly leads to spiritual death, but rejecting God's will ends in sorrow and defeat and even destruction in this life. 
It's going to end in the destruction of your plans because God's plans are going to be done. The last thing I want you to see is this last thing back over in Mark. Look back over in Mark and I'm done. Look at the words carefully of what Jesus said in Mark 14. Verse 21. And the Son of Man indeed goeth as it is written of him. He had just told them that one of them was going to deny and betray him. But God's will is still going to be done. And for you and I, that I, I pray that we would learn the lessons of Judas and not let pride, not let our perspective, not let our promotion get in the way of God's will, but we would understand so that we don't have to regret and so that we're not defeated and so that we're not destroyed, but that we would understand the positive is this, no matter what, God's will will be done. And so as we look at those and we say, God, help me that I'm not the one that's rejecting and denying and standing the way of what you're doing, but God, that I would understand that your will is going to be done even when it looks like it's not, even when I see others that are denying and preventing that it's it's still going to be done and God you went the way even though the devil tried to stop it you still did what you were going to do and in my life you are still going to do no matter whether I try to stop it or somebody else tries to stop it or ultimately the devil tries to stop it God your will in my life in this world in this universe is going to be done and thank God it was. And thank God it will be. Because his way is far better than our way. His will is far better than our will. Oh, my friends, that we would not be like Judas and get caught up in our own vision, our own perspective, and our own ideas, and our own plans, but that we would truly say, God, whatever it is, have your way in my life, in this world. And God, do what you know is best. Won't you make that your prayer? Won't you, even when things are not going the way that you want them to go, just say, God, not my will done, but your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd be with us today. God, I pray that you would help us today not to fall into the traps of Judas not to let the devil get a foothold in our lives. Not to be deceived and dissuaded by the devil. Not to have our thinking twisted by sin. But that, God, that we would be broken hearted when your will is not done. That we would be broken hearted the idea of your will not being done, that we were brokenhearted about the fact that we might have something to do with hindering your will and denying, betraying the one who died for us. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.
We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you.